Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and we are following up on the New Testament for Come, Follow Me. Today we're going to do All About, which you remember, is where we take a step back from the text itself, talk about the letter uh, the context, the history, some of the, uh, we're going to actually get back into Acts a little bit today and get a little more background. Murphy the dog says hi, so welcome Murphy to the podcast. All right, let's jump in to all about Philippians. Philippians is one of the greatest, I think, of Paul's letters, and mostly because the city itself and the congregations there are just a highlight. And you also see something unique in Philippians that I want you to take a look at, and that is the tone that Paul takes. Uh, This is a letter in which we have more about Paul's background. He speaks very candidly uh, to his strongest supporters. So Philippi ends up being one of these towns that just really is a highlight to him, and he opens up as a result. So you're going to see some of that in the letter. So let's Let's uh, let me talk to you a little bit about Philippi and its cities. It's actually one of the better known New Testament cities that we have. We have a ton of historical and archaeological information about Philippi. And in fact, in the early 1900s, they excavated uh, the French archaeological committee. It's something in French name, but they excavated the entire city. So we have just a ton of information about how it was laid out, who lived there, the religion, the people, as well as things like this letter. So it's a it's a fascinating place. Now, it is located, just so you know, uh, in Macedonia. So if you get your map out, uh, you've got kind of Greece is down south, and then as you go north is what they called Macedonia, and up on the almost on the coastline as it wraps around is you're going to see Thessalonica where you get Thessalonians which is actually the capital of this area it's about a hundred miles from Philippi and then Philippi is a little bit inland uh, there and so Philippi was a super Greek town for a long time Um, and in fact it's named after Philip and Philip was Alexander the Great's father and so he put a lot of money into making this an amazing city and it had a lot of resources it had mining and one of the things really uh, amazing about Philippi is it has a huge cliffside and so as you come into the city and it's on this major road this major road that goes basically along uh, the sea and so it's how everyone would have gone uh, if they didn't go by sea they would have gone along this road from Thessalonica, uh, Neapolis, Berea and Philippi they go along that area and so they would have seen this big cliffside so it's like an exposed cliff and on this cliffside are a lot of carvings mostly religious so when you walk into town the first thing you're going to see in the time of Paul is all this religious religiosity and things there but again a very Greek city to begin with you've got uh, Philip the second 
uh, which is Alexander's father. And then Alexander put a lot of money into it. And then it became a very Roman town. So as it becomes a very Roman town, then uh, actually it became a place where the Roman, there was a civil war about the time of Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Brutus, all of that uh, going on. And so they have a big battle right here in Philippi. And uh, as part of that, then a lot of the Roman military guys retired and were given land here in Philippi. So they're while there was a civil war for Rome, they were very patriotic. And so many of these Roman military f guys and their, then their families, when they come, they, they aren't able to get married until later, but they come and retire there. There's a lot of patriotism, a lot of Roman fervor. So you've got this underbelly of Greek. You've got this just very religious, different religious groups there. And then you also have Roman all set on the original culture, which is Thracian. And so they had Thracian religions, which were very pagan and, and uh, nature worship. And in fact, one of the main gods of Thrace is Sylvanus, which where we get the word for um, like Sylvan uh, for forest. And that's exactly what it was, was kind of a forestry worship. And Paul has a missionary companion named Sylvanus. Paul calls him Sylvanus all the time. And Luke uses his uh, a, a different version of his name, Silas. So if you ever see Silas or Sylvanus, it's coming from this Thracian god. Um, not not that he was a pagan, just that's where he got his name from. So anyway, so that's, that's Philippi. So that's kind of where they were known for, kind of where it was located. Again, very, a lot of religious cults were popular. Everyone who entered would have seen this. That's like 750-foot cliff that overlooked it. Uh, there were gold mines. Uh, the gold mines were closed at this point, but a lot of mining, a lot of forestry, a lot of natural resources. So it was a rich town, patriotic town, uh, Greek, Roman, Thracian, lots going on there. Um, what else? What else do I want to tell you about this? Uh, first, let's talk about, again, we talked about it being this cosmopolitan with Thracians, Greeks, Romans. Uh, they did speak probably Latin at the time, was probably the language. Uh, the tombstones even there still written in Latin. And then this, when Paul comes on his first miss missionary journey, he comes here, and it was probably one of the most Roman towns. Remember, he hits things like, Thessal uh, we haven't talked about Thessalonia yet, but Thessalonica, but he hits um, a lot of Greek cities, very Greek, whether they were in Turkey or Greece, they're very Greek, and this one's very Roman, so a little bit different there. One of the other things you remember is Paul usually goes to the synagogue first so when he would visit in his first especially his first missionary journey right he's going to the synagogue and then he says hey the Jewish Messiah is here then when he went there there was no synagogue and if you remember where he goes in Acts 16 is he realizes there's a group that are worshiping outside the city by the river they would meet together to have prayers evening prayers and there wasn't a synagogue so he meets out there and do you remember who he meets Lydia and she, I just can't say enough about Lydia. We don't know a, a ton, but we know quite a bit about her. And what I love about her is that she is probably one of the reasons for this being just such a solid congregation. So great woman to look up to. She is a business owner and the seller of purple, which was very expensive. So probably a well-off uh, businesswoman and, and leader in the community. And she is leading these 
or at least some kind of leader of these, this prayer group since there isn't a synagogue. And so when Paul goes out in Acts 16, he meets, uh, he meets her there and they begin, she gets converted to Christianity, they begin kind of the community and her whole household. So she's a powerful woman, this woman that has an entire household and, and they are all uh, here from Paul and are converted to Christianity as well. And so she becomes, uh, she was already a proselyte to the Jewish religion, so now she becomes Christian and, and her whole household, and she begins to probably support kind of a patron of the church. And if you remember when Paul writes to the Corinthians about the donation that they were supposed to be giving back to the Jerusalem saints, they, he's like, I didn't even expect Philippi, they're too poor, not enough up there, uh, Lydia aside, to, to donate anything. And they made a donation, and you guys didn't. So she's just always using them as this awesome example. So kind of it helps me to remember this about Philippi because his letter, Paul's letter is going to have a lot of different tones. So, um, so Lydia, probably this patroness of the church, she may have provided a link to the Gentile population, uh, very influential in the business community. So that was the first thing we know about them. There's also a second significant event in Philippi uh, that we talk about in Acts, and that is an exorcism of demons from a slave girl. So it's following up on Acts that they don't really say that she became a convert to Christianity, but they do, some people assume that she did. Uh, however, these masters of this slave girl probably made considerable money because she would predict events. And so when, when Paul encounters this girl and this demon is exercised, these masters uh, probably realized they would lose their living. They drag Paul to court, and that's Paul's first Roman trial. And w the charges end up being, you know, disturbance, uh, introducing a foreign religion, and this is where we meet Silas again. Paul and Silas were stripped and beaten and thrown into the dungeon just like common criminals. This was all in Philippi. And then the th there's a third event in this, in this town, now remember, uh, Luke records this while he was with Paul and Silas. So the, it's just awesome stories. They're thrown in jail, the three of them, uh, because of this event. And it's in the middle of the night, and they are singing. They're singing a hymn at midnight. And a, an earthquake shakes the walls of the prison, and the cells all open so the people could escape. Now the jailer... I'm paraphrasing, but the jailer assumes that if his prisoners all escape, they'll kill him, right, as the jailer for failing in his duties, and so he takes out his sword to kill himself, and Paul calls out to him and all the, says, hey, all the prisoners were all still here, and the jailer falls to their feet, of, and, and, and that night he and his family are converted. Um, not only, be, but, but think of this story, they're not converted because of the earthquake. This jailer is converted because of what? the generosity and faithfulness of these missionaries. Awesome story. So go back and reread this story. It basically starts around Acts 16 of this first missionary journey to Philippi, and you're going to read about Lydia, the slave girl, and this prisoner. And, uh, oh, and part of the prisoner story, one of my favorite parts, is that Paul and Silas, they take this prisoner, takes them home <laughs> and uh, bathes them and cares for them, and here's the gospel message. Uh, crazy missionary story right um so anyway he they get kicked out uh, uh, paul and silas and those guys get kicked out the next day uh but uh 
that's where Paul sends word that, hey, it is unlawful for Roman citizens to be treated like this. And then this, the officials apologize, but kind of hush them out of the city as fast as they can to avoid more problems. Anyway, so Paul re- retains contact with the Philippian church. Uh, missionaries visited again on the, th- um, the third journey. So he goes back on his third missionary journey, and then they send support multiple times to not only the believers in Jerusalem, which I mentioned, but also to Paul. And so they become this amazing congregation. Now, contrast that with so many of the other letters where the other congregations are struggling. Philippi is just a golden star. Um, I have a soft spot in my heart for Philippi. Every time I hear it, I always think, oh, it's one of my favorite towns. Um, Not only does it remind me, I guess, of my own missionary experiences, not that I had anything like this, but, but there when you're received well and where you make connections, deep connections with people, it feels like home to you. And when I read these stories, I, it feels like home. I think this, this Philippi is, is my home in the New Testament. I'm like, oh, I just want to go back to Philippi. And I, I also can't, I can't deny, I love that there's this heroine, Lydia. Now, I was writing in a post a while back, uh, just on a Facebook Come Follow Me site. If you haven't been on them, there's some awesome ones out there. And and people were saying, hey, what what uh, women do you admire? Uh, someone was doing, I think it was a young women's lesson or something. And I said, Lydia of Philippi. And they're like, what a great hostess. And I thought that was a little bit of a shame. Although true, she's a great hostess. She's so much more than a hostess. And uh, I love that we have a businesswoman, a woman who is a leader in the church, and a congregation that becomes one of the strongest congregations, and, and it's, it's nice. It's just nice to have a woman to look up to in the scriptures. We don't have that many examples. Um, I admire a lot of the men of the scriptures, don't get me wrong, but I do love Lydia and Philippi. feels like home. So welcome home. Welcome home to Philippi. So exciting. Okay. Um, also, uh, one last thing. This is probably where Luke joins Paul because when Luke writes in Acts, he starts saying they, uh, he changes it to we. So you start to learn that this is where Luke enters a lot of these stories. And we're, we obviously get to know Luke a ton through his gospel account that's written later. All right, so back to the letter. So this letter is probably written 50s. Um, Paul probably dies in the mid-60s, so it's probably about 50, 51. And, and uh, again, we're going to see some different different sides of Paul as he writes and is very open with them about what's going on. So let's talk about that for a second. Okay, why did why did Paul write this letter? As you've seen in the other epistles, typically Paul is writing to correct something um, or address an issue that he'd heard about. And in this one, we don't we don't necessarily see that. We do know that Paul's writing because he's going to tell them that Timothy is coming. And he is wants them to prepare. So you see that in chapter 2, verse 19. He says, hey, Timothy is coming. And we're going to see a lot more of Timothy uh, in the next week or so because we're going to do the pastoral epistles, which are Timothy, Timothy, and Titus. Then we're back in um, and with those. But this is Timothy's awesome, so you're going to read about him. But he's going to warn them, or at least give them a heads up, hey, uh, Timothy's coming. Also, part of the letter we know that Paul is saying, hey, I'm intending to visit the near future and maybe kind of prepare them. Also in chapter 2, verse 24, he's, Paul is saying that he's probably coming. Now, some are, there's some themes here, and one of the themes that he addresses is unity within the church. And remember what we talked about just a few minutes ago, there's a lot of really diverse 
ethnic groups, Thracians, Greeks, Romans, uh, different Latin groups as well within the Romans, and now you've got Jewish converts and Christianity. And so this is a, a boy, one thing that I have, I'm just going to take an aside here. One thing I've learned as rereading these epistles is how similar they are to us today and so many of our cultures is that there isn't a culture. There isn't a single culture. There are so many cultural backgrounds, people coming from very religious backgrounds, not religious backgrounds, heavy Jewish backgrounds, not Jewish backgrounds, um, cultures, languages, time in the church, converts, heavy convert. Uh, does that sound like the church today? Let me re-describe that. Some have a long time in the church. Most don't have a long time in the church. They come from various languages, various cultures, various ethnicities, uh, every background known to man, military, non-military, Jewish, non-Jewish. Does that sound like us? Man, it sounds exactly like us. So this letter could very well be written to us. So he is, uh, some people think that Paul is writing to say, hey, there might be this unity problem or at least to discuss the issue of how all these cultures are going to blend I don't, um, most likely, I think you see in the very end of chapter 4, 10 through 20, he's thanking them for the gift of support that he had received. And he wants to take advantage to instruct them in this theology of material resources, right? How, how does this work in the church? It's very administrative and true. And first he says that no other church had given him like Philippi did. So in 4.15, he says, man, you guys are awesome. And, and I love in 2 Corinthians how he's trying to tell the Corinthians that they've misunderstood something about the gospel if they don't change internally. If they don't become people who give naturally, then it's a sign that they haven't changed. Their hearts haven't changed. And yet here we see the Philippians giving. And Paul writes to thank them for that. Also, Paul is in Rome at this time. He's probably in prison and he's writing a letter. And so chances are he's reflecting on, he's writing to the Corinthians and others as well at this time. So he's reflecting on his ministry. And he, I, I love that he gets this confidence that it's going well, that he has a, a successful congregation and a, and a group of congregations there and lifts his spirits and he wants to express his appreciation. And this this seems to support the timing of the letter, right? He gets the support uh, to him and also to the Jerusalem saints, and he writes to thank them for that. Also, Paul has a missionary companion. Um, this is a tricky name, but it's Epaphroditus. So Epaphroditus wanted to return uh, to Philippi. That's where uh, he had come from, and he had almost died. Epaphroditus had almost died from this long sickness, and, and the church in Philippi had, had written uh, concerned for Epaphroditus, and so he recovered. And so Paul was really eager to send him back to his hometown. I, I, th I love this. It's, you, boy, that just sounds like missionaries today, right? Hey, we're really worried about our missionary. Uh, how's he doing? And, and he's healed, and we're going to send him home uh, to recover. So, so since Epaphroditus almost gave his life in service to Paul, uh, Paul wanted to give him that honor, right? Send him back appropriately. And he would be better off at home at this point. Remember, Epaphroditus nearly died. So he gets home and Epaphroditus wants to desire to return home and wrote this letter expressing thanks for the gift and plea for unity and, and send Epaphroditus, the missionary that nearly died, home to his hometown. So cool stories. Uh, I, I hope that gives you kind of a richness 
a richness to this letter that um, welcome home and this strong community and uh, just people, real people that are there from the jailer to maybe the slave girl um, to Lydia and her household, Epaphroditus, uh, the missionary coming home, Timothy, who's not not from here, but he's going to come through here. Just cool, cool people and real people. And uh, this letter you're going to see doesn't really mention a lot of the problems. They don't seem to have urgent, dire needs like the Galatians. Uh, so a little different tone. Okay, Scriptorians, that is it for our all about the letter, the epistle to the Philippians uh, in Philippi. We will catch you later and keep reading. This is a short one, so you can read this in just 20 minutes, and it's worth reading. There is a beautiful hymn in the beginning, and we'll touch on that next time. And so keep reading, and we'll see you on the flip side.